Has it ever occurred to you just how incredible grapes are? Now think about it. That little box of raisins your mother packed in your lunch bag was the only fruit that qualified as a dessert. And consider this. When we hear juicy gossip, we say we heard it through the grapevine. We didn't hear it through the apple tree or the berry bush. Grapes are so darn special that the grocery store expects us to snitch a few to ensure quality control. Try doing that with a banana or a pineapple. Admit it, every encounter you've ever had with grapes has been positive. That's why we created Grape Encounters, a place for adults to hang out and focus on the paramount achievement of grapedom. Delicious, irresistible wine. Wine brings people together. It starts conversations. It makes us happy. In fact, wherever there are grapes, there's gorgeous scenery, very cool people, and plenty of laughter. All that being said, let's bring out your guide for this journey. The Wizard of Wine, the Gangster of Grape, David Wilson. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, today is the day. Today is the day that I'm going to do the big reveal on Grape Encounters. Look, I have hinted about something big coming for, I guess now it's been maybe four or five weeks. But I just refrained from telling you because I knew that the minute that I told you it would become completely real. And what I'm about to do is so exciting and so surreal that I just... You know, going from the realm of fantasy to reality sometimes is more than I can take. Well, to help me with the reveal today is one of my best friends in the whole world, somebody I admire more than pretty much anybody in the wine business. He's right up there tied for number one with I have no idea who. He's just the best in the business. And he was with me. 14 years ago, when we revealed Grape Encounters, when we decided to bring this show to you, when people were saying to me, well, that'll last a week or two. And we are now on episode 651 over 14 years. And if you go back to the very beginning, that first month, there was a guy that I had on. His name is Wes Hagen. You know him. I mean, if you listen to this show, you know Wes. And I'll tell you, I was actually fearful of meeting Wes because in the San Ynez Valley where he was located, he was kind of considered to be almost godlike in stature. Everybody said, you know, he was the guy that you went to the top of the mountain, you clawed your way to the top of the mountain, and he was there in a white robe to give you advice about wine. And he's not wearing a white robe today, but he's sitting right next to me. And this is going to be the last time in a very long time that Wes and I will sit in the studio together. And so that should give you a hint about what's going on. Buddy, I am so glad to have you here. You know, I would say 651 shows is probably plenty to uh, record in the continental United States. What do you think? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, tell these poor people. I thought I thought after a hundred shows that I should just hang it up, you know, because it was just 
it, it, it's a lot of work. That's when you found your voice. I mean, you've been uh, the show's just uh, getting better and better. So thank you for, so much for saying all those kind words for me. It's it's hard to be humble in the presence of someone who makes me feel uh, so magnanimous. But uh, if if uh, I have uh, done anything for Santa Barbara and California wine, it's because of all the wonderful uh, souls that came before me. I'm going to correct you because. You have done a lot for wine in general, and I know that you are so you are so devoted to this region, and you're you're a home team fan. But at the same time, the information that you disperse to people is just the best. And I have sat in rooms where you have talked up wines, just wine in general, and people literally lean over and say to one another, "Gosh, this guy makes it understandable. He really makes sense." And people get a very different uh, perspective of wine thanks to you. And I certainly have learned so, so much from you. And by the way, you know, every time I find myself struggling with a concept, I pick up the phone and call you. Mm. Sometimes I wake you up in the morning. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so you really threw the second hint out. And the second hint was continental United States or leaving continental United States. And that's exactly right. So here's the reveal. You have heard me do a number of shows recently from the Abruzzo region in Italy. I went there with the intention of doing a series of shows and really talking up a wine region in the world that I don't think is getting its fair share of attention. You know, people know the wines of Tuscany. It's on the other side of the country pretty well. But Abruzzo, not so much, although you'll uh, see Montepulciano d'Abruzzo's a lot. And even when you see that name, there's kind of two categories of those. There's the big producers and the small boutique producers. And the wines are, I think, different in the same way that they are here, the difference between big producers and small producers. But anyway, I went there to do these shows. I met both big producers and small producers and I fell in love with these people. It was just the best time. And I started to talk to my hosts, the people who were kind enough to sponsor my being there. I said, what would it take to live here? Mm. And, you know, they picked up the ball and helped me make this possible. I have been very depressed and I have not been silent about it, that I was just sick and tired of doing Zoom interviews and being stuck in the studio as much as I like my padded cell here. You know, and by the way, tell them it's a padded cell. It's a padded cell. It is. It's just, you know, with a, with a cute dog, cute dog, acu acoustic stuff all over the walls. But look, it's a padded cell and it's OK when you can go out and play. But when you're stuck in here because you're not allowed to go do interviews or the people that you would normally want to do the interview with are, you know, being extra careful as they should be. It just gets tiring. And so now as things began to open up, I really did entertain the idea that I could go someplace else, that there were no strings that were holding me down, except that I do own the wine bar in Atascadero. And I was so fortunate that some friends uh, who were originally customers were really in love with the idea of, of, of taking the wine 
far over. And so that's what's going to that's what's going to go on. And Wes, you're going to advise them, I hope. I would love to. I, I've, I've always had a great play, great time doing events here for Miller Family Wines, Jay Wilkes and all the other brands that we do. And I've always had a really good uh, relationship with the people in the Central Coast and the Tascadero uh, being where my aunt and uncle live and a lot of uh, good friends live that make wine in Paso, uh, in Paso Robles. Uh, it just makes perfect sense. And, you know, saying that you're going to take a big chance in life. I mean, you talk to people that are the top of their game, the the greatest minds, the greatest people that have ever yeah. lived. And yeah. they will all agree yeah. with one thing, and that is taking big chances leads to big dividends. And you can't, this life ends so quickly that taking big chances, yeah. I think, yeah. very rarely do we back off of a big chance uh, that we take, saying, I wish I hadn't have taken that chance. So the, there's going to be a lot that I'm going to be doing there. I'm not going to just be broadcasting, but I'm planning on doing some really awesome consulting work. And I'm going to be working with a winery there that has brought back winemaking techniques from 2000 years ago during the height of the Roman Empire. And you're going to hear a lot more about them. Uh, Hadrianum is the name. And that's how I originally got introduced to the region. But I'm going to be working with them side by side to make sure that the rest of the world gets to experience something that hasn't existed for 2,000 years. Does that sound cool? That does sound cool. And uh, I'm sure they're looking to... uh bring some of those wines over to the United States and to increase their production and also to increase people's awareness of how old wine is and how valuable it was in the ancient world. I mean, if you think a glass of wine tastes good today, imagine getting through, uh, you know, uh, an invasion in the Roman Empire, you know, here come, uh, you know, here comes the enemy armies and you survive. And at the end of the day, you get to drink a glass of wine. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, wine has, I think, been, you cannot separate Western culture from wine. It's obviously very, very important. And I love the historical uh, yeah, context. Yeah, and the this project has involved historians, viticulturists, um, archaeologists, because the wine in those days didn't go into barrels. It went into large amphoras. So think of gigantic terracotta pots. And they often took those pots and they buried them in the ground with just the neck above the ground so that it provided really perfect insulation for the wine to ferment in and age in. And they've actually gone to a village that's been making really fine uh, ceramic objects for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So really super authentic stuff that they're doing. And uh, again, I'll tell you a lot more about it. I got to take a quick break. My guest is Wes Hagen. He was one of the very first, wasn't the first, but I think you were the second. And he's been with me all along. He has supported the show like nobody else. And he's going to be with me here on my last show in America for a while. You know, I'm, I'm going to be going back and forth. That's for sure. But we're going to be taking you to the rest of the world. And I'll tell you about how that's going to look and sound in just a second when we return with Wes Hagen and Grape Encounters. You're listening to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. We offer something for everyone. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to offer free wine. That's what your friends are for. Smoke from increasing wildfires is tainting wine grapes, and vineyard executives are looking for new ways to adapt. Pure Fresh Wine's O3 technology helps vineyards overcome the problems caused by wildfire smoke by treating grapes pre-crush to improve fermentation and overall wine quality, as well as removing smoke taint. 
For the typical winery, saving a full harvest of grapes with pure fresh wine costs only 10 cents per bottle. O3 technology has been approved by the FDA and USDA. It leaves no residue and uses no chemicals. It provides many benefits to wineries, including the removal of sulfur, pesticides, and fungicides pre-crush, the reduction of bad bacteria and mold issues, an improvement in roundness and fruit-forward palate notes, and so much more. Most importantly, it safely and naturally breaks down smoke taint molecules to save grapes from damage. Rescue your harvest from smoke taint. Visit purefreshwine.com today. I would ever do this. I have laid in bed so many times and fantasized about leaving the U.S. for a while to enjoy the rest of the world. I've been very fortunate. I've been able to travel the world a lot, much more than most people. And I've had some great experiences. But you know, it's always dash in and dash out. And I'm tired of people saying on Dasher. Anyway, that's a, a Christmas joke that didn't fly. Anyway, sitting with me here today is Wes Hagen. And uh, he actually came to say goodbye and because I'm going to be leaving in just about a, a week or so. So this is actually the last show that we're going to record in the United States of America, but we'll be back and forth a lot. And we are going to continue to report on wine exactly the same as we did. The only difference is it might have an Italian accent because I really feel like we have not done the best job of presenting the rest of the world. You know, Wes, it's true. And I mean, you know, think about it. Italy is the number one producer of wine in the world, but they probably get 3% of the coverage that I get. And we need to talk about Italy. We need to talk about Germany. We need to talk about Austria. We need to talk about all of these countries in Europe that produce amazing wines and even some of them that we might not even be familiar with. We're going to all of them. Slovenia, Georgia, um, Moldova. Making beautiful wine. Yes. Eastern, Eastern Europe is going off right now. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to take you there, but we're going to constantly talk about the wines that we make here as well. And not surprisingly, I have asked a fellow to be my main field guy here in the U.S. And this is a guy who's constantly outstanding in his field. <laughs> <laughs> Literally and figuratively. And that's Wes. And Wes, you have done so many things. You've been a winemaker for years. You're in sales. You've been an ambassador. You've been a teacher. What am I forgetting? Uh, viticulturist, vineyard manager, husband, uh, type 1 diabetic. <laughs> Whoa. And what do you call it when you, when you author AV? Uh, I guess I am a petitioner. Uh, I'm, I'm a petitioner to the federal government for the establishment of American viticultural areas. Wow. Yeah. That, sound, that sounds important. Well, yeah, that's the way you'd put it probably on a resume. But when I talk to regular people, maybe folks that might have an In-N-Out burger or uh, a Whataburger or a White Castle, uh, I would just say that I've written a number of AVAs, American Viticultural Areas, to help American and worldwide wine consumers really understand these beautiful, beautiful little subregions of Santa Barbara County. Okay. You, you just caused me to to take a sidebar here because you were talking about um, White Castle and all these other burgers that are so delicious. Why is it that people have a really hard time pairing a $80 bottle of wine with a $3 hamburger? There's no reason 
that wine and food have to be in contention. Right. Eat drinking an eight hundred dollar bottle of wine with an In and Out burger is a beautiful thing if that's your vibe. If that's how you're feeling, you know. For me, a bottle of wine. There's two reasons that I, you know, and really enjoy wine. One, it makes me feel good. The second one is I like to be with people when I drink. I like to say a bottle of wine is an investment to keep the people we love at table for an extra hour every day. And what is that worth? So to me, when I'm teaching food and wine pairing, which I'm going to be doing this month at Allen Hancock College, I'm going, by the way, I worked at the same school as John Madden. Wow. I know John Madden was a, his first football coaching gig was at Allen Hancock College in Santa Maria. So uh, RIP, rest in peace, John Madden, um, one of my ex-colleagues. Wouldn't you have liked to have been on a train with John Madden? Because as I understand it, he or traveled ev- everywhere by trains and Correct. buses. Yeah. And you could just sit on the train and share a glass of wine. I don't know if he drank or not, but- Probably did. And play be, some video that, games. That'd be super cool though, right? Yeah. So what I do with the tasting at my food and wine pairing class is the first thing that the intro class does is we just come in, we open five bottles of wine. I show them how how much wine they should have in their glass because I don't want anyone getting inebriated in class and having a hard time driving home. And I do breathwise uh, folks that I think if they need it. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we want to be safe, right? And so I teach them no more than an inch of wine ever in your glass or I have to kick you out of class because we have to be very, very careful. But what we do is we open five bottles of wine and five flavors of kettle chips and I say, go. They're like, what are we supposed to do? Taste. You tell me. Yeah. It's, it's you. It's not me. If you're here for me to tell you what tastes good, man, you 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 got your head screwed on backwards. That is so important what you're saying. And I get so frustrated because people want me to tell them what tastes good. Right. And the, the reality is I can tell them what should taste good to them if I can ask them some questions. Sure. And as I think you know, I ask a lot of personality questions. I'll say, you know, do you have a car outside? Yes. Uh, well, what, what kind of car is it? Well, it's a BMW. Well, what color is it? It's silver. Well, if I could snap my fingers and make it a different color, what would it be? And you just ask questions like that. Uh, you know, what's the last movie that you watched three times? And then, of course, you want to get into food. What kind of dessert would you love for me to serve you right now? And you get to know whether a person is subdued or racy, conservative or liberal. I don't mean that in the political sense, sure. just just in you know behavior sense. And then you can kind of zero in on what would probably taste good to them. And it's a you know to some degree an educated guess. I usually get it right, but what I can do best is I can figure out what they like and then introduce them to a world of other things that they might like at least as well or better because they've not ventured out. I would say the two best questions that I could ask for people when I'm trying to put together a food and wine match for them or just what kind of wine they like is how do you take your coffee? Really? A lot of cream and sugar. You're going to want wines with residual sugar. You're going to want wines that are very fruity and bright and overt and soft. And you're probably not going to like an old Bordeaux or a Burgundy. You're going to like a young California Zinfandel with a little extra sugar in it or a dessert wine or an off dry wine. If you like your uh, coffee with just a dab of cream, you might want want to look at soft soft reds or something like that. But if you like your coffee black and you care about the coffee you drink, those are generally the type of people that can handle a little bit of dryness and bitterness, and they might really want bone-dry European-style wines. Interesting. And I remember, it, it must have been five or six years ago, I had a coffee-slash-wine expert on the show, and our discussion was 
what do you pair your wine with? And then what coffee do you pair with the wine afterwards? So you, in other words, you're having dinner. You have, First of all, you're just having some kind of wine before dinner, then during dinner, and then now it's after dinner and you're going to have maybe some espresso or something. Mm. But what do you drink? And it was super interesting. Yeah. No, I think, I'm, I mean, I'm getting into tea right now and I've just found out, you know, that there are hundreds of teas in the world that cost more than $100 a pound. And there's a reason. Like we started drinking these incredible Chinese jasmine teas and my gosh, they're so good. Now we're going back to bag teas and we just can't drink them. We're, we're, we're kind of, that's the thing. As soon as you understand what high quality is, whether it's an automobile, a hamburger or a bottle of wine, it's hard to go back to a schlock. So we've only got like a second left, but we're going to come back. Um, you roast your own coffee, don't I you? I do. I'm a coffee geek as well as a wine and beer. Where do you get the, the green beans? Uh, they should pay me, but Sweet Maria's, which is a business that only sells green coffee out in Oakland, California. And oh, wow. I also have some coffee friends that will send me green coffee from, say, Kona, um, stuff that would be almost $100 a pound if otherwise if I could get it. All right. It, well, so. I'm going to be going to one of the ultimate coffee destinations by far, and I'll explain why in just a second. We're sitting in the studio, the padded cell, which is going to be dismantled in the next like three or four days. And I'm sitting with Wes Hagen, and I can't think of another human being on earth that I'd want to be with more today. Although there are probably a couple. <laughs> Honestly, I'd love to be sitting here with Elon Musk. I would invite sure. him and I would bump you probably for Elon because I, I would have so stand... many questions that I want to ask him that nobody else has. But uh, I'd, I'd sit in the other room with the dog if I had to. Other, other than that, you could shine his shoes and he could sit in here in his stockings. But that's right. Anyway, but he's probably already invented a self-shining shoe. So you won't need to worry about that. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. At MM Organics, we're surrounded by health nuts. That's because we're obsessed with lowering blood pressure, cholesterol, and the risk of cancer. We want to make weight loss easier and help you strengthen everything from your heart to your teeth, nails, and hair. Full disclosure, those health nuts are actually dry-farmed heirloom certified organic raw walnuts. Rich with essential vitamins and nutrients, they're vastly superior to other nuts. Imagine, walnuts can actually lower stress and boost your brain power. No wonder MM Organics customers are so darn smart. MMorganics.com is where you'll find our uniquely irresistible raw walnuts, walnut butter, oil, and flour, sprouted flavored walnuts, and decadent fair trade chocolate covered walnuts, which pair beautifully with our legendary two horse port style wine. MMorganics.com. Eating any other nuts is just plain nuts. Are you following Grape Encounters on social media yet? You're not? Well, you should be. It's the best way to hear the latest, juiciest, unfiltered wine stories. It's also the single best way to keep our unpretentious, decidedly different wine conversations going strong. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Grape Encounters. For tons of content on Facebook, you'll want to join our Grape Encounters radio group page. Or if LinkedIn is more your thing, connect with me by typing Grape Encounters Radio or Grape Encounters David in the search bar. Here's the deal. The more you click, the more I'll pour.
You know, I wish I had a dollar for every time I bragged on this show about being half Italian. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I, I have... I have talked about being half Italian so many times because the most joyous things that ever happened in my life happened at my grandma DiCaro's house. And she was 100% Italian. And man, she was just as white as she was tall. And she made Italian food that was absolutely perfect. And I loved going over there. My father hated going over there because he just wasn't into the Italian thing. And so anyway, I am going to Italy. I'm, I'm chasing my roots, as it were. It's the one place I said, I just love to live there for a while. And you know, I might stay forever. I don't know. But I'm definitely taking the show there. And I just figured, you know, it's really easy to get all over Europe from Italy. So it makes it uh, really possible for me to take you to places that we haven't been able to practically take you before. And that's uh, what we're doing. And Wes Hagen is sitting here with me. Yes, He's my bud. He is um, probably one of the three most knowledgeable wine people I've ever known in my life. Who are the other two? I have to know. Uh... Well, I would I would say uh, Jancis Robinson. Damn, I will definitely bow before her. Okay, and I will uh, say actually Michael Mandavi. Yes, well, yes. I mean, obviously his family um, has done more for uh, you know California wine than anybody else, maybe besides Robert Parker. I mean, th- those two aren't friends, but I've I've had them on the show. Yep, and. I just sat there and went, oh my gosh. And then the other person who's really super interesting, but he kind of takes a look at wine from a different angle than everybody else is Jean-Charles Boisset. I was going to say Boisset. Boisset is one of the only human beings I've ever met that I've spoken to for more than 15 minutes that I didn't get a word in edgewise. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he's an intense dude, and Gina Gallo, his uh, his wife, is just amazing. He he's been on the show many times, yep. and he's a real friend of the show. And he's often said that this is the best radio show on planet Earth. But then he started his own video thing. Mm. Uh, it's called JCB Live. I, I encourage you to check it out because it's so incredibly off the wall most of the time. And he does it every day. Yeah. Wow. He, he does it every day. Hmm. But he's crazy. Yeah. But he hangs with like really super important people because, yeah. you know, he's really successful. Yeah. He knows, he knows some stuff. I've got a question for, about Italy for you. Okay. So describe to me where Abruzzo is and for all the people listening, because I know that Italy has so many regions. We're talking about a boot. Um, if if we're thinking about the boot, where would Abruzzo be on the boot? Well, I'll be out on a boot. Out in a boot? Yeah, no. Uh, Abruzzo, if you go, so people would maybe be familiar with where Rome is at. Sure. And so if you go down the boot, and you know, Cal- California isn't that differently shaped than Italy in a way. Uh, you know, it's long, you know, and tall. But if you go midway down the country, then you're going to, on the west side of Italy, there's Rome mm-hmm. sitting there. And most of the you know, things that people know about of Italy are, are generally taking place on the west side, not on the east side. But if you, if you uh, fly into Rome, you will probably take a luxury coach across the country. And that's only about a two hour and 20 minute ride. Hmm. Okay. And you go through some beautiful terrain and hills and countryside and a lot of ag there. And I'm not just talking about wine. They just a lot of crops and things. And it's a, it's a lot less populous, but you go due east 
from Rome. Hmm. Two hours and 20 minutes is what I timed. And you run into the Adriatic Sea. Well, you should get out of the car and then run into the Adriatic Sea. And, you know, it's a sea because it's small. And on the other side of it, by the way, are, you know, some really interesting uh places, you know, like Montenegro mm. and all of the, what do we call them? Baltic countries? Sure. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I'm going to be in a place called Atri, which is in Abruzzo. And it is, you know, it's a really small village. But here's the thing is that Atri is uh, the place that Emperor Hadrian got his name. It's uh, you know, like Atri and, and, and Hadrian, they're actually in the same family of words. His family lived there, and then I guess they moved to Spain, and he was born there. Um, the Adriatic Sea, Atri, Adriatic, again, it's from the same family of words. And so um, Atri has a huge place in history, and it's really, it's just a magnificent, you know, sort of fortress city. And there's a lot of really cool wine places around there. Um, I say wine places. They, You know, um, I've heard them called their factories. Oh, Fattoria. Yeah. Sibani. Yeah. I mean, uh in in France, they call it a chateau, but uh, but there they might say factory, and they will accept winery as well. So and the people are just so nice there. Now I will say this: that I know I'm going to struggle with language a bit because they really don't speak as much English there as they do on the west side of the country. Well, that's great because then you'll just be immersed in it. And I'm going to teach you a phrase. Are you ready? Yeah. Il vino. Il vino. Etzla. Etzla. Poetia. Il vino etzla poetia. Il vino es la poetia della terra. Della de terra. Il vino es la poetia della terra. Um, my it, Italian me, it, is me, awesome. it means what? It means wine is the poetry of the earth. Oh, well, that's nice. I think it's one of the most beautiful, beautiful ideas I've ever heard about wine. It's just the idea. Wine that, is the poetry of the earth. Il vino es la poesia della terra. And my, right. my, my Italian is no, awful. Well, I apologize well, to no, anyone who look speaks at it. Italian. It's way better than mine. I, I just started studying it. And, you know, I actually am one of those people, and there aren't a lot of us, who believes that if you're going to go spend a lot of time in another country, then you really should be respectful and try to learn at least some of the language. Yeah, I'll just throw your hands around and try. That's that's my recommendation. Just throw your hands around a lot and try. Well, they can they can definitely um, speak with their hands there. Yes. Yeah. But, the Italians are very animated, as am I. Yes. You can see sometimes when I'm sitting here talking, I'm like doing hand gestures. I don't know why. It's like the gears. I, I, I wind my hands round and round like gears and all this stuff. But yeah, that's the Italian coming out in me. That's great. What would you like to see me do while I'm there? Is there something that you would like me to deliver back to listeners in America? I think it's very... I would like you to try to figure out how to help us understand and in reading European wine labels, especially wines from Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. I think German wine labels can be extraordinarily difficult. So I want you to help. I don't like the word simplify because it gets thrown around this business a little too often, but I want you to help um, make a bridge. You know, I want you to pontificate, which is what that word means. I want you to help us understand what some of these difficult wine labels can be and find us wines for under 20 bucks that are incredibly delicious and can be tasted nowhere else in the world. So 
th- that is actually pretty easy to do because the wine, if you go to Italy, drink as much wine as you can because it's so inexpensive yeah. there. It's only when it gets exported. And this, this isn't just Italy. It's, you know, really any place out, outside of the U.S. They, they dump a huge surcharge on it that comes in the form of, uh, it can be tariffs. It can be, um, certainly the exporter, um, fees. And, you know, there are a lot of people that step on the price of the wine and the person who gets squished in all that is the winemaker. Mm. You know? I've always, I've always loved Ital- Italian food culture because when I was uh, in Italy the last time uh, as an adult, uh, I remember that every table I saw in every restaurant, lunch and dinner, everyone over 12 seemed like they were drinking wine and wine. It wasn't about what you're going to be talking about. Wine should lead to every uh, conversation about everything except itself. And wine was like salt and pepper on the table. It was just, it, it wasn't really yeah. a table unless I, it was, I, I think that's, wine on I it. think that's absolutely true. And the other thing is, is that, you know, meals are interesting there because, and I got to wrap this up real quick because we got to take a break, but you, you eat breakfast and it's about 13 minutes is mm. the average. And you, it's a, usually a pastry or some small sweet thing and coffee. And it's usually just espresso, but it could be cappuccino. Then lunch comes and all bets are off. Yeah. Lunch could be two hours easily. I had one day there in, on my last trip, I had a seven hour lunch. I, I'm not kidding. Now, the chef was trying to show off a bunch of his, you know, his dishes, but I was in that restaurant for like seven hours. Now, that's not normal, right? But two hours is not unusual at all. Then comes dinner and dinner, um, is going to be real late, typically. Americans would say, oh, th- that's too late to eat dinner. But in- the Italians might still be up at three in the morning. So they, and, they, they live on a different clock. Yeah. And lunch might have lasted till 3.30. Yeah. When you order your coffee in the morning, um, a lot of places in uh, rural Italy will always put a few drops of grappa in the coffee. It's called Cafe Caretto, corrected yeah, coffee. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want the uh, grappa in the coffee, make sure to ask for your coffee pure um, or, or without the grappa. The, so, co- the coffee there is so good. Oh. Oh, they know how so to pull an espresso. Good. Oh my gosh, yeah. Even if you're just so accustomed to drinking American coffee, you know, which is okay because we're doing a good job with coffee here for the most part. Now. You will, yeah, that's exactly right. You will quickly be converted to espresso and sometimes cappuccino. But even though I love cappuccino, I kind of learned that you don't drink it all the time there. No. You, you kind of... They'll look at you weird if you order a cap before lunch. There, there you go. All right. I'm here with Wes Hagen and we're going to do one more segment together in America. Then I'm going to Italy. He's going to be our field reporter here and then he's going to come to Italy with me and we're going to paint the... I was going to say paint the town, but we'll paint the village red. I love it. Okay, red and green. Rosso. Red, green, and white. Yes, indeed. All right, back with more Grape Encounters after this. Welcome to Total Wine and More, a wonderland for wine spirits and beer lovers. No matter what's on your holiday table, we have the wine and the savings to match. Pop open some bubbly as guests gather around. Pair baked ham with Cabernet for some tasty magic. Turkey and stuffing plays nicely with Pinot Noir. And while you're at it, check out the top 20 wines of the year and discover standout gifts for everyone on your list. With over 8,000 wines, 4,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers to choose from, you can expect the unexpected, always at ridiculously low prices with the best service in America. Choose in-store pickup or curbside pickup, shipping and delivery. 
Explore more in-store, online at TotalWine.com or on the app. Spirits not available in Virginia or North Carolina. Delivery available in select markets. Okay, well, you know, it's all I can do not to tear up. Oh, you're sniffling over there. You know, you haven't really been all that smiley since you've been in here, and I think it's you're going to miss me. Uh, you know, it is. It, it's 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 a little bit bittersweet. I have to admit, because normally, you know, um, I'm you know just all all laughs and everything. I've I've enjoyed the show and everything, but it kind of is the end of an era, and I do consider this a very important part of my outreach, uh, as far as you know how I've. Uh, hooked up and talked to the people of the United States outside of my own region, you know. I mean, one thing we got to say as you leave this country, just how good the wine is in the United States and how we're living at a time. It's the golden age of wine. Wine has never been better and it's never been cheaper. And we, you know, if you don't drink wine, I feel sorry for you because you should be um, jumping in on something ancient, something yeah. wonderful, and something yeah. important. And this is the greatest time to be alive drinking wine in the history of mankind. Probably the best time ever to be alive, period. Yeah, well, I want to... I want to say thank you, first of all, to everybody who's written me on social media. I have gotten so many beautiful comments, and I just can't thank you enough. It's been very humbling and so deeply appreciated. But the cool thing is, is that virtually everybody's reaction to my moving the show to Europe, you know, for at least a year is that they just love the idea. Mm. Not one person has said, don't go, that's a silly idea. And also that term that you said, end of an era, I've heard that three or four times. And I had some some um, friends slash customers slash listeners who drove three and a half hours to come here last week mm. to say goodbye. And they actually surprised me. And, you know, they wrote the same comment to me later. They posted a picture on Facebook and they said, end of an era. And then a whole bunch of other people chimed in. But I'm just going to kind of disagree. You know, Grape Encounters is an era. We're, you know, we're putting on a different suit of clothing right now. We're going to have a little different accent. We're going to just change it up a bit because it needs to get changed up. And and for me, I mean, you, you look at people who have TV shows, um, talk shows and what have you eventually they'll they'll go to a different station they'll go to a different platform a different format because there comes that time where you as the host just go you know i gotta i gotta move along here and you know it's like buying a new house mm-hmm. it's like going going out and shopping for new clothing it's like buying a new car this is i'm ready it's time whatever can give us more perspective and i think that's what happens when we travel and you say you've traveled enough and I know you, and I know that you act like someone who's traveled, because generally I find people that have traveled extensively far more interesting to talk to. Generally, they have broader minds, minds that can bend one way or another. And I know that when you say you've traveled enough to know that you want to travel more and you want to live someplace, it's going to change your perspective. And if you can change your perspective in life, it's one of the most difficult things to do. I don't think people change very often. And you taking the chance to change is brave. And I think that bravery is going to pay off on your adventure. Well, I'm, I'm selling off everything that I own, what I am not selling is going into a shipping container. I, you know, I'm literally going to start from scratch. But the difference between traveling now and traveling then is that traveling then meant 
in and out of hotels. You know, it really kind of, we brought you adventures, but the reality is we land in the airport, we'd rush to the, well, we'd go to the hotel, get up early in the morning, rush out, do a bunch of interviews, you know, come back to the hotel, get up in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, pack of things and go. And you never really got to settle down to those two hour lunches. You know, we, we understood them and we saw them, but we didn't always get to participate. So now it's going to be different because we're hunkering down. Yeah. It's the difference between sort of being a tourist and, and, uh, and being embedded. I was just looking for that word. You're like, a, em- you're going to be like em- a tick. Embedded. You're yeah. going to be wearing a toga. You're going to be wearing sandals. I I think maybe, <laughs> you know, I would have taken a barnacle over a tick. Oh, boy. yeah, okay. You know? Yeah, 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 but. Or, or you know, you know what? I'll tell you what I am. If you go to certain uh, countries, you'll see um, egrets. Yes. And they stand on top of the cows. Yes. I'm, a, I'm an egret. That's okay. If you want to okay. be an egret, whatever, beats whatever. A, it beats a tick. Whatever way. Well, I was just thinking of, you know, uh, you know, blood being like wine and you just kind of going into Italy and digging in and just drinking the drinking the blood of the, the, uh, uh, the no, poetry no, of no, the no, earth. No, no, no. I might as well be a mosquito poetry of the earth i think you're just uh trying to figure out what makes me tick oh sorry yeah all right hey we're gonna have to wrap it up here in just a second but i wanted to ask you a question before we go wes hagan what is the most important thing that you can tell people or that you've learned about wine in your life i could say a hundred things but i think one thing that always fascinates me is why um, humans use alcohol. And it goes back to the fact that ethanol was created by yeasts uh, millions, if not billions of years ago on this planet to discourage other animals from eating its food source. So rotting piece of fruit, alcohol starts being produced. The yeast come in and turn that overripe sugar into alcohol. And then that alcohol prevents other animals from coming in and stealing their food because it toxifies okay. the plant. Right. Yeah. So then there became this wonderful sort of race in nature to see what animal could actually get through that barrier of the slightly toxic alcohol in these overripe fruit because everything wanted to eat the fruit, but the alcohol, they couldn't process the alcohol. So the human liver developed an enzyme to take alcohol, detoxify it, and turn it into energy. And 10% of our liver does that. Wow. That's amazing. Isn't that a cool fact? That's amazing. But I will say moderation, moderation, moderation. Oh, yeah. That's impo- important for me to say that because what I can't, I can't stand drunks. Oh, I, I can't, can't either. I Always- cannot stand them. You want to ask me? Yes. My most important what lesson? In, uh, in the 15 years we've been together, what have you learned that has blown your mind? What is What do you think is the most important lesson My, you've ever learned The about most wine? important lesson I've learned about wine is that when somebody tells me they don't like a particular wine, they don't like Cab, they don't like Pinot, they don't like Riesling, whatever, they're wrong. It's, you know... What here's what's wrong with wine drinkers is that you taste one bottle of wine and you don't like it. It doesn't hit you right. And then you condemn the entire class of wine. And that is the biggest mistake that we make. And it's why this show exists, because I need to break you of that habit and tell you over and over and over again that, no, you don't hate that. You just haven't had the one that really works for you. No, but I hate comedies because I didn't like Cabin Boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to end on that. Wes Hagen, I love you just so much. I really appreciate you coming down to the studio to be with us today. Last time here in the U.S. for a while. We'll be coming back and forth, but I'm not sure what that schedule is going to look like just yet. I know I'm going to be back in March, but uh, until I march back here, I will have Wes on frequently by remote and I love you all and uh, I'm not saying goodbye. I'm just saying um, Arrivederci. I'm saying I'll see you over there yes. and we'll just continue to do the same things that we've done, but we'll, we'll add a lot 
of accents to it, and I think you're going to love it. Travel safely and recognize that all of us are traveling with you, and we expect you to give us a hell of an adventure. And and I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to try to make you jealous like some travel and food people do. I'm going to encourage you to come and be with me. I love that. All right. Yes. um, Social media is like a 12-year-old girl. It's all about jealousy. Okay. And with that, we're going to sign off with this last episode of Grape Encounters in America. Next one's going to come to you from Italy. How cool is that? We'll talk to you then. 